But what a great blessing it is for us to gather together to celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas Eve. This evening we sang, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. The angels hearkened, they announced, they wanted us to pay close attention. That's what hark means, to heed the announcement of the birth of Christ. This morning we opened Isaiah 7 and heard God's great promise to us, the promise of a virgin who would miraculously conceive a child and that he would be named Emmanuel, God with us. What a glorious promise. What a glorious sign. What a glorious name. What a glorious God we have. That he would pierce eternity and come and be with us. God didn't just send a Savior. God didn't just send a Messiah. God didn't just send a wonderful counselor. God didn't just send the Prince of Peace. God didn't just send us a baby. He sent himself. That is the good news of great joy that the angels proclaimed that day. And that is the good news of great joy that we proclaim tonight. This evening, I want to continue our exploration that Isaiah gave us, the promise from God. Isaiah 7.14 tells us, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the promise of a miraculous event that would change the world forever. We have all heard the story of Christmas and the baby Jesus lying in the manger because there was no room for him in the inn. That is the fulfillment of God's promise through Isaiah, one of only hundreds of prophecies about the coming of the Messiah that Jesus and Jesus alone fulfilled. This morning we spoke about the word of prophecy from Isaiah. This evening I want to talk about how that word of prophecy became the word of Christmas. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for all that has already transpired this evening. Father, you have called us to gather together. You have called us to pray. You have called us to fellowship. You have called us to lift your name on high as we sing praises to your name. And you have called us, Lord, that we would open your word. Your word is truth and it is power. And I ask, Father, that it would go forth with life-giving this evening, Father. Lord, I thank you for each and every one who is here. Father, they are not here by accident. They are not here just because the person that's sitting next to them invited them or made them come. They are here this morning because you have designed, you have determined, Lord, in eternity past that they would be here this evening. And so, Father, we ask that what you have designed, what you desire, Father, would come to pass, that all who would hear the word of the Lord would come to saving faith in you. And so, Father, I just ask that is a word that is something that cannot be accomplished in me or through me, Lord. It can only be accomplished by the power of the living God. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way here this evening. I ask that eyes could see, that ears could hear, that hearts would be cracked wide open, Lord that you would replace hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. That is a work that only you are capable of doing. And so, Father, 
we give our time to you this evening. May the word that is brought forth, may it change us, Lord. May it remind us of who you are and who you have called us to be in you. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The Christmas word is given to us in John chapter 1 and in verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip to verse 14 and hear those verses for us this evening. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love the gospel of John. And I love how the Holy Spirit led John to start his gospel in this way. The other three gospels start with the lineage of Jesus, the newborn king. But John goes a little further back. Actually, he goes way further back to the beginning. We see this in verses 1 through 3. Again, they will be up on the screen. According to John, the story of Christmas does not begin in Bethlehem. It does not even begin with Mary and Joseph or the angelic announcements. The story of Christmas begins long ago, long before the world was even created. The story of Christmas begins with a word, but just not a word, the word, the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We read in Genesis that in the beginning, God spoke. And so one of the first things that we learn about God is that he is a God who speaks. God spoke and the world was created. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be sky, and there was sky. God spoke, and the dry land appeared and brought forth vegetation. He spoke again, and the sun and the moon and the stars appeared in joyful obedience to his command. Again, the voice of God thundered forth, and the waters teemed with living creatures, and birds flew above the earth and the sky. On the sixth day, God spoke again and created the wild animals, the livestock, and all the creatures that move along the ground. What we know is that when God speaks, it happens. God spoke and creation came to be. That is the power of God's word. That is the power of he who is called the word of God. Light, sky, water, land, sun, moon, and stars. Creatures in the sea, creatures in the air, creatures on the land. All of creation was brought forth by the powerful, creative, and sustaining word of God. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. And yet we read the, the opening chapters of Genesis we discover that God worked differently when it came to creating humans. Yes, he still spoke. God said, let us make man. 
But then we also read, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed life into him. When God created man, he got personal. God, who is spirit, who has no form and no body, got his hands dirty and fashioned man out of the dust of the ground. Instead of the word of God simply speaking, we see he who is the word getting into the physical dust of our universe to create mankind. Maybe this is the first clue. Maybe this is the very first and faintest shadowing of the incarnation that we celebrate with Christmas. From Genesis, we also learn that the God who speaks created man in his own image. Think about this. Out of all of God's earthly creation, only man speaks. Other animals make sounds and noises, but only man was given the gift of spoken language. And when Adam speaks, his first recorded words are words of peace and unity and harmony. They are words which reflect a time when there truly was peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But all of this changed at the fall. Man's first words after the fall are words that are weighted with guilt and shame, with blame and accusation. Yet even after man's terrible act of sin and rebellion, God continued to speak words of grace and comfort and hope. Even as God cursed the serpent for tempting the man and the woman, he spoke forth the promise of a Savior who would come to redeem mankind from the curse of the fall and to defeat the power of Satan in this world. Sin had corrupted the words. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve, he said, did God really say? Satan questioned the truth of God's word. We also read that by the end of Genesis chapter 4, that there were men who began to call on the name of the Lord. All of human speech had been corrupted by the fall, and yet some, in their brokenness, used the good gift of speech to call upon the name of the Lord, to call upon the one who promised us a Savior. As men had called upon the name of the Lord, the Lord responded. God continued to speak to man. He spoke to Noah, who found favor in God's eyes. He spoke to Abraham and promised him a son in his old age. He spoke to Moses and gave him the law. It was actually on Mount Sinai that we find the first instance of God's spoken word being written down. And so the spoken word became a written word, a direct revelation from God written for all men for all time. This word continues to speak to us even today when we open and we read the Bible. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thought and the attitudes of the heart. God continued to speak through the prophets at many times and in various ways. In the book of Exodus, God gave the pattern for the tabernacle and the priesthood, both of which foreshadowed the work of Christ on the cross. In the book of Leviticus, God gave instructions concerning sacrifice and purification 
in anticipation of Christ's great sacrifice for us. In the book of Numbers, God spoke of a star who would come out of Jacob, a scepter who would rise out of Israel, foreshadowing Christ's birth in his earthly ministry. Throughout the Old Testament, again and again, the prophets proclaim the coming of the anointed one, the great prophet, the faithful priest, the exalted king, the coming Messiah of God. The Old Testament revelation also records a number of miraculous births. Abraham, Abraham's wife Sarah is barren, and yet God gives Abraham and Sarah a promised son in their old age. Isaac's wife Rebekah is barren, but Isaac prays to the Lord, and Rebekah gives birth both to Jacob and Esau. Manoah's wife is, is barren. The angel of the Lord appears to her and promises her a son, She gives birth to a champion, a deliverer for the Israelites named Samson. Hannah is barren and cries out to the Lord in the bitterness of her soul. God answers her prayer and gives her the prophet Samuel. As the prophets reveal more and more about the Messiah to come, we learn that his will also be a miraculous birth. However, his miraculous birth would, far go, would go far beyond just simply opening a closed womb. The birth of the Messiah would be unique like no other. He would be born of a virgin. Isaiah prophesied, The Lord himself will give you his sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah goes on to describe this child in terms that can only be described as his deity. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom forever. And so God continued to speak through the prophets of the promised and coming Savior. Some of those prophecies were crystal clear in their implications. Others remained hidden in meaning until Christ came into the world. All of them are fascinating, and together they present a powerful testimony to the inspiration of Scripture. And then the unimaginable happened. For 400 years, the God who speaks stopped speaking. There were no more prophecies. There was no further revelation from God. After Malachi's final prophecy, not a word was spoken. God finished the Old Testament with a long silence until the promise of Christmas came. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The silence of those 400 years was pierced with a promise, a promise from the angel Gabriel to Zechariah that his barren wife Elizabeth would bear a son and name him John. Gabriel then quoted from the final verses of Malachi, the very last words that God had spoken over 400 years before, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so John the Baptist was to be born 
the forerunner to Christ, the one who would cry out in the wilderness to repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Six months later, Gabriel again was sent by God. This time, God sent Gabriel to Mary, a young virgin pledged to be married to Joseph, who was a descendant of David. Gabriel spoke God's word to her, Mary, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. The language was unmistakable. This child-to-be was the long-awaited Savior. He was the anointed one, the promised Messiah of God. Being a virgin, Mary was confused and asked, how could this be? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so Christ came into this world at Christmas time as a tiny baby. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The eternal and living word who spoke all of creation into being now lay helpless in the arms of his mother Mary. And for the first time, he was speechless. Yet as he grew to be a man, he would speak once again. Words of power and wisdom, words of grace and truth, which revealed his identity and his glory. He would speak to demons and the demons would flee. He would speak to the elements and bread and fish would be multiplied and he would turn water into wine. He would speak to the wind and to the rain and the storm would obey his voice. He would speak to illness and bring health. He would speak to death and bring resurrection and life. Hebrews 1 says it this way, In the past, God spoke through the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. The the long-awaited Savior had finally come. The word of God had become flesh. This is the hope of Christmas. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Our Emmanuel, God with us, is here. In the face of that baby, we have seen the glory of the Father, his glory full of grace and truth. The eternal Son of God came into the world as a child to live a life we could never live and to die a death that he didn't deserve so we could live a life that we couldn't earn so that we might become children of God by believing on his name. 33 years after his birth, Jesus died on the cross, and yet not even death could silence him. He rose again, and he ascended into heaven. One day, one day he will return again. At his second coming, he will come not as a helpless baby or as a suffering servant, but as a conquering king, ready to redeem his people and to judge the world. 
The closing chapter of of Revelation describes his return this way. The Apostle John writes, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. You see, the story of Christmas begins and ends with a word, but not just any word, the word, the living, eternal word of God made flesh. Again, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the wonder, the joy, and the majesty of Christmas. The word of God made flesh for the salvation of all those who would believe. So Christmas in a word is Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, oh, what a glorious thing it is, Lord, that we can open the scriptures and that you have revealed the truth of Jesus' identity. You have been foreshadowing that from the very first chapters of Genesis, and you've been telling us all along through the Old Testament, you have spoken over and over and over again, preparing hearts to turn to the Lord, to find redemption, to find freedom, to find hope, to find peace, to find joy. Those are things, Lord, that the world cannot give us. It's a thing that the world promises, but Father, the truth is that you are the author of peace. You are the author of love. You are the author of hope. And so, Father, especially in this season, help us to turn our attention towards you. You are our everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. You are our God. You are our Emmanuel. You are our God with us. You are the Word made flesh. And so, Father, we just thank you that we can join together. We can proclaim that truth. We can live in that truth together. So, Father, may the celebration of our heart be just like the, those lowly shepherds, the celebration in their heart. Hark, Lord. May we hearken upon the good news of Jesus Christ. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.